Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode number 98 of the Extraordinary Women podcast. I'm your host, Sherry Harmel, and today we're going to talk about collaborations and why collaborations create what I call extraordinary energy, whether you're launching and running a business or you want to live. So let's jump right into the conversation. You are listening to the Extraordinary Women Podcast, a podcast for the woman entrepreneur, where we have candid conversations about the journey of starting a business. You'll get valuable tips and advice as you launch yourself on your own entrepreneurial journey. I'm your host, Sherry Harmel, the editor of the Extraordinary Women Magazine Circle. And I embrace my own entrepreneurial journey as a woman of, say, a certain age. And if I can do it, ladies, so can you. I now divide my time between Paris and Boston, which fulfills my desire to create this life reimagined while building a business I love. I am so happy you are here. So let's jump right in. Back when I needed to find the right people to help my daughter with her learning issues, I was a great collaborator. I find one tutor or one teacher or one service provider that was just fabulous, and then they'd lead me to another. That was basically how I created the team that helped my daughter. But somewhere along the way, my collaborations in other areas of my life all seemed to become, shall we say, one-sided, where I was the giver and my so-called collaborating partner, the receiver. And when this happens, we back away and we get super private and might even think in our own minds, well, this tells me I must do this all alone. That is where my head was at when I started the magazine publishing business. I really thought I needed to do it all alone. Yes, I hired a great team, Sophie and Tina. But I held every other potential business relationship, honestly, a little at arm's length. About six months after I started the magazine, now this is all during COVID, so we have lots and lots of time to think, right? I started my podcast, but still I held back. Now I realize how absurd this really is, but my first 70 podcasts were all solo podcasts. I wrote and recorded the podcast myself with ideas coming from what I was reading, what I was watching, what I was maybe having a few conversations with people about, but not so much because this was the middle of COVID. To some extent, maybe it wasn't all that strange. But this past February, or actually at the turnover of the new year, I decided that I wanted to do things a little bit different with the podcast specifically. And so I decided to hire a podcast manager. I wanted to bring in a guest or two, and I didn't know how to do that. Well, the decision to hire Christy changed all my beliefs around collaborations. Suddenly, once I had the guests on board, more people were listening to the podcast. And what was even more amazing is I was having a whole lot more fun. I was loving these conversations with women. I'm a story gal. I love books, as you all know. I talk about books all the time. Therefore, hearing the stories from the women as they progressed through the events in their lives and what led them to start a business just absolutely jazzed me. I loved it. And I hope you do too. But it was fun. So there was this energy. 
because now I was collaborating, dare we say, there was this energy around the podcast that did not exist when it was just me talking. Collaborations do just that. Collaborations will create what I call good energy. Why? Well, we're human. And even introverts like myself need people. An example, we are, we've all read the stats around the importance of having community around us as we age, but it's also true when we're young. The rising violence that is seen within impoverished communities that's really only escalated over the last 20 to 30 years is linked by sociologists back to this growing lack of community. The rates of suicide, both young and old, has also been linked to our loss of community. Let me ask you, how many of you know your neighbors? I don't. Even though I live in a large condo building in Boston when I'm not in Paris, and we all speak the same language as far as I can tell, I have only met a few neighbors. And you see how these systemic issues are created, in essence, by a lack of community? Now, you might be wondering, how does that lack of community relate to collaboration in our businesses or our lives? Well, this is the good part. The podcast conversations began to change my my business. The energy around the business began to change. And it wasn't just the podcast. It was also the magazine, but even bigger, it was my life because those collaborations actually began to grow a more personal community around me where the professional community was growing the same time as the personal community. And I'll give you an example. Sandra Sigmund from Le Fleur, who was on a podcast conversation with me, introduced me to a woman who does the same kind of bi-coastal living between Boston and Paris. Sandra is now embarking upon that same adventure. We have a dinner scheduled. It's to share really stories as well as advice around living that bicultural life. That collaboration with Sandra is growing a personal community around me. Now, from a business standpoint, when I opened up to new collaborations, new ideas also started to flow as these new connections were made. That's part of energy, right? You can just kind of feel it and see it. Honestly, the more and more I have collaborated, the more I have embraced and believe and expect magic. Don't you just love that phrase? Expect magic. That phrase was actually coined by Diana Wentworth whose book is titled Send Me Someone has been made into a newly released Hallmark movie. It's an incredible story. But Diana has lived her entire life with that expect magic mindset. Diana is not young. She shared on the podcast we had together that at 80 years old, entering what she calls her encore years, living her life expecting magic, just continues to bring her amazing opportunity. Diana also wrote the cookbook for Chicken Soup for the Soul. You might wonder, how did I meet Diana? Well, I was introduced to Diana by Monica Michelle, who is one of the founders of Bloom TV Network. Now, Monica was an extraordinary women podcast guest. And after I hit that stop record button, Monica said, I have to connect you with Diana as well as Joe Packman. So that was my connection with Diana, which is via 
Monica. And then I reached out to Joe Packham. And Joe Packham, if you're not aware, runs the very successful What Women Create magazine podcast and membership site. So onward ho, right? I have a podcast conversation with Joe. I'm telling you, Joe and I could have talked for hours. But at 60 minutes, I had to hit the stop record button because I know none of you wants to listen to a 90-minute podcast. But in that podcast, which is actually airing next week, Joe gave me a multitude of ideas and ways to grow the Extraordinary Women magazine. It was so fun that I had this silly smile on my face for the rest of the day. But collaborations only work if they're mutual, right? They have to be balanced. How did I add to those collaborations? After my podcast conversation with Sandra Sigmund from Le Fleur, who's in the flower business, but there's a whole French connection to it. Le Fleur is both an online shop as well as a brick and mortar shop located in Andover, Massachusetts. And actually, I met Sandra through an introduction by another wonderful woman named Monique. So here we are, right? Connection, connection, connection. After the podcast conversation with Sandra, I realized that she would be perfect for Bloom TV. So what did I do? I connected her back to Monica at Bloom TV. Then I was interviewing Amy LaRue, who's a garden guide, I want to say, as well as flower arranging, just an amazing breadth and depth of knowledge in the whole gardening and flower area in Paris. I was interviewing Amy for the magazine, and I started to realize Amy would be perfect for Bloom TV also. So I sent her to Monica over at Bloom TV. I'm sharing all of that, and it's a little disjointed, I apologize. But one connection just led to another, which led to another. And that, my dear friends, is collaboration. And I hope you can see that through those collaborations, possibilities start to grow, and they become endless. Now, you might be wondering how to make the most of collaborating with others, because there is a little bit of a skill or how do I want to say standard operating procedure, if we call it that, to collaborating. Okay, women entrepreneurs, I want to let you know about a fabulous resource. The Extraordinary Women magazine is only $29.99 a year, and with that minimal investment, you'll receive four issues of the digital magazine, which are just chucked full of inspiring interviews, subscriber highlights, valuable tips, and ideas for you, the entrepreneur, regardless of the stage of your business. But this is a big but. This is more than just a magazine. During the year, you will have opportunities to connect with other like-minded women who are supporting each other and sharing ideas as they go along their business journey, as well as invitations to valuable workshops on topics that you need to plant or bloom or grow that business, as I call it. So go to the extraordinarywomenmagazine.com and subscribe. Join this movement of women from all over the world who are creating and growing businesses. But let's start with the fact that you have to be very clear 
in who you are, what you do, and if you have a business, who your target audience is. I don't think I was always clear. So when I would hear someone was doing something that I thought was super interesting, especially in the coaching world, I'd think, oh my gosh, that's cool. Maybe I could do that. I should talk with them. That's incredibly unrealistic and naive. Rarely, if ever, do collaborations work between competitors. Makes sense, right? Target doesn't collaborate with Walmart. So why would Mel Robbins want to collaborate with me when we're in somewhat the same space? Now, I have seen a few of those collaborations between solopreneurs where their target market is really pretty much the same, and none of them have ended well. And why should they? So know what your business is about. Clearly recognize who are your current or potential customers, and then brainstorm who you could build relationships with that are maybe somewhat in the same space, but are not competing for the same client. If I'm As an example, if I'm creating, say, coaching programs for new entrepreneurs, I don't try to collaborate with another coach who is targeting the same population. So you can see it's not just the population, but it's also what is it I'm offering that population. If I have a bespoke travel business, another bespoke travel business isn't a good collaboration. This is why you have to be very clear on what it is that your business is all about and who is in your target audience. Now, personal collaborations are a little bit different and they're much easier. And sometimes in that arena, the more common interests that you share, the better. But again, do remember that good collaborations always work best when you know yourself, your business, and why you want to collaborate with someone. And this leads me to the second point. Choose your collaborations wisely. As you think about possible partners in your collaboration process, if you want to call it that, it has to be a win-win for both parties. If one side of the collaboration is the giver and the other a taker, it sets up bad feelings, even within friends and family members. If you are the one who is constantly giving, I promise you, you will eventually eventually start to feel used and ultimately bitter. As I learned from my own experience, if you're the regular giver, honestly, the gift is received very gratefully and happily at the very beginning, but eventually it becomes the expectation of the receiver. Maybe even entitlement and gratitude and warmth will get lost in those kinds of unbalanced collaborative relationships. So always check in with yourself and evaluate your collaboration. Make sure that you're both the giver and the receiver in the collaboration. Also, remember the collaborations are relationships, right? They're people. And all healthy relationships are based on a balance of giving and receiving. Let me give you an example. Because I'm a coach and I've been a coach for a couple of decades, it's natural, absolutely natural for me to step into a coaching role especially if friends or family start to ask me for business advice. I've had a couple of close relationships become incredibly strained because I was asked to, quote unquote, in my mind, coach 
almost every time we got together. I even had one friend who, when I pushed back and said I needed to stop coaching or else he needed to hire me, he actually laughed at me and said, well, we're just having conversations. I realized I had spent hours and hours talking with this person, mapping out a new idea, could take form, brainstorming processes, talking about the new market or the current market. For me, it was not just conversations. It was flat-out coaching. And when you're giving away your intellectual property, as I call it, for free over and over because it's a friend or someone that you care about, you are out of balance. Self-awareness is key to collaborations keeping a balance. I say that because in the example I just shared, I was equally at fault because I wasn't self-aware enough to recognize what was happening. I should have drawn a line between my professional role, my expertise, and the friendship, and I didn't. So, just like every relationship you have, your self-awareness will determine the success of the collaboration. Now, you might be thinking, how does this relate if it's not about a business? Here's an example. Let's say your gifts are that you are a wonderful listener and a natural caregiver. A family member or a good friend maybe has experienced some sort of significant loss. Could have been a divorce, the death of a partner, the ending of a job or a career. You're one, you're probably all in. You listen, you suggest, you support, you give, you love this. You're using all of your skills and gifts to try to help that person. But by year two, unless there's a rebalancing in that relationship, you'll most likely start to feel exhausted because all the energy in the relationship is focused on the other person. So collaborations, whether in your personal or your business life, need to be balanced and based on equal contributions. This leads to the third ingredient as I call it, to building great collaborations. And that is to embrace your own insecurities. When I sat down to create a list of people I wanted on my podcast, I had my paper out, my pen and all that. I just sat there and looked at the paper. I came up with a total blank. I thought to myself, who in the world would want to talk to me? Same when I began the magazine. I didn't believe anyone would agree to be interviewed. Sounds crazy, right? Well, what was going on was that my own insecurities were running the show. I couldn't imagine any possible collaborations because I was stuck in my own kind of insignificant me mindset. What did that set up? It set up an unbalanced relationship where I felt like I was begging and I had to be appreciative versus a relationship of equality. If you find yourself after this podcast thinking about who you might want to collaborate with, and if you're struggling to come up with names, I want you to check in with your own insecurities. What's driving you in that particular moment? And I ask that because most people naturally like to help others and they like to work in teams or in partnerships. I think of long car trips. I travel solo quite often. But the car trips are totally different. (laughs) So imagine 
that you're taking a long car trip through an isolated part of the United States. Would you rather be all alone or would you like to have a co-pilot in that seat next to you? I don't know about you, but I think most of us would say, I would love a co-pilot. Good partners can make us feel more confident that we can actually do something. There's something positive. We all talk about groupthink. It can be negative, but sometimes it can be positive too, because we are naturally braver when we have good people working with us. And remember, there's a significant difference between privacy and isolation. And starting a business or taking on your next big goal, whatever that is, takes a whole lot of courage. So collaborations, even at the beginning of whatever it is that you're starting, are super important. And last, I want you to honor your good collaborations. Once you have a good collaborative partner, honor and protect that relationship. People who support you when you're starting out or when you're going through some of those tough times in life are invaluable and irreplaceable. Honor those relationships. They don't come along every day. And remember, you know, that saying, hopefully I can express it correctly, that you are the average of the five people you spend the most time with. Let's not spend time with people you've learned that you can't trust. Let's not spend time with people who view your gifts, your talents, your skills as common currency. It's just a conversation. Instead, surround yourself with like-minded people who recognize the value of mutual collaborations. And as Diana Wentworth says, expect magic. Thank you, everyone, for joining us today. And if you liked this conversation, please press the like button, subscribe, and share this podcast with other extraordinary women like you who you think might enjoy this conversation and join our community of truly extraordinary women. Now, we might seem like a group of just average gals, but we are doing amazing, extraordinary things. That's the key to creating a magical and purpose-filled life. So I hope you join us. Take good care. And as I say in Paris, a bientôt.